Hello, hello, listener. How's it going? This is Julio speaking. Welcome back to the Case Interview Podcast. What you're going to listen to right now is an excerpt of episode number 12, which is called The Ultimate Case Prep Hack. And that's a part two of the episode number 11 called The Number One Consultant Habit You Should Steal From Us. In this episode, we talk about how exactly to use your case-solving skills to design your case preparation and we get into the weeds of how to do it. Sometimes Bruno and I agree with it. Sometimes we disagree. But basically, we want you to get, number one, a ton of practice on your case-solving skills. And number two, a tailored prep plan made by you so that you can tackle your most specific needs. And in this specific clip, we talk about how doing this will help you immensely if you're hiring a case coach and which parts of the preparation framework that we give you, you should focus on if you're hiring a case coach. Now, before I let you go on to listen to the clip, I want to drop a quick note on how to listen to this podcast, because many people are used to listening to podcasts, you know, listening to the last episode and then waiting for a week for the next episode, etc. And that's just not the best way to listen to this podcast. Because Bruno and I built this to become a library for candidates to prepare at any given point in time. So to do that, we created basically an enormous list of timeless, relevant topics that candidates should know about. And then recorded episodes on those. Regardless of when the episode was released, they're probably still relevant if they're relevant to your situation. So the best way to listen to this podcast is probably to go back to episode number one in the back catalog and then listen from then onwards. All right, now let's go on to listen to the clip. So let's jump into the fourth step, which will tell you if your solution doesn't work. Yeah. And that is putting it into practice and measuring results. Mm -hmm. Basically, start doing whatever you had the idea of doing. Mm -hmm. And measure results probably in your feedback log as well. Mm -hmm. Or you can, you know, keep different tabs for that. But take notes of the results that you get. Whatever it is you're doing, take notes of how you feel after doing it. Does it feel like you're improving? Take notes of the new feedbacks you get in the new cases you do. And try to see if something changed in the matter that you're trying to improve. And I think that's it. What do you have for this step? Yeah, I think it's pretty simple. I would consider doing some customized data collection here. Mm -hmm. And I would separate getting feedback on how you did from practice scenarios. So when you're doing drills, mm -hmm. you can capture data on that. It's useful. But then I would separate out the data from real mock interviews or yeah. even real interviews if you're interviewing already at yeah. real firms because it's more realistic. Mm -hmm. So to me, the gold standard of my solution worked is your problem went away measurably. Yeah. It's not always possible to do that. But for example, let's say you figured out that you would make a big mistake in 40% of your analysis. Mm -hmm. And you found out that the root cause was because you didn't structure the analysis up front. And that was because you didn't have the skills of structuring. Mainly. Yeah. It was not a habit thing. It was a skill thing. Mm -hmm. Now, you can measure as you do drills practicing analysis structures using analysis from casebooks, for example, 
you can measure how many of those equations do you get right. Mm -hmm. This is an intermediate step of measuring your results because you're not doing that in mock interviews yet. Yeah. But you can compare that with the 40% of mistakes. Mm -hmm. It's not a perfect comparison, but let's say when you start doing the drills, you mess up something in the equation about 30% of the times. And then as you do more drills, that ratio goes down to 10%, 5%, and then you start not making mistakes anymore. Yeah. Now you go on to do mock interviews mm -hmm. and try to apply everything that you've learned from building equations before doing analysis. And now you can measure two things, I think. Mm -hmm. One is for each mock interview or for each analysis within the context of a mock interview that you do, what is the percentage of analysis that you mess up for any reason? Yeah. And then the second measure is what is the percentage of equations that you got wrong? Because you might notice that, okay, I don't mess up my analysis anymore, even though sometimes my equations aren't right. Yeah. But I catch my mistakes and I fix them afterwards. Mm -hmm. Or you can find the inverse scenario, which is that your equations are never wrong anymore, but you're messing up your analysis due to a different reason. For example, your arithmetic is not good enough. Yeah. Uh, you're making arithmetic, order of magnitude mistakes, for example. Yeah. And that's how I deal with it because you might need to cycle back and slightly adjust the root cause of the problem because there might be two root causes. And in the first iteration we prioritize uh -huh. with the most important root cause, but there might be a secondary one. And then you can fix that through a quick iteration cycle. And eventually you will not make analysis mistakes anymore. And then you can consider the problem fixed mm -hmm. unless your logbook accuses you of making new analysis mistakes later in your preparation. But ideally, and most of the times, you will just fix your analysis problem and then you can go back to your logbook and ask yourself the question again, what is the next thing? What is the most likely thing that would get me rejected today? Yeah. And for some people, that's like, oh, I have 90% chances of getting rejected. Mm -hmm. But eventually, if you go through this cycle enough times, you'll get to a point that your intuition or your estimation is that if I were to get rejected today is because of this reason, but honestly it's like 1% or 2% chances of getting rejected. Yeah. And then you can choose if you want to work towards improvement and lowering your chances of rejection or if, you, if you're fine with that risk. Yeah. And I think that even if you are to use more nuclear solutions, such as hiring a coach, using this process... What, what do you mean by nuclear? Like nuclear family or like nuclear bomb? Nuclear bomb. Oh, okay. Like an atomic solution. Like. Yeah, you're, you're not just, you know, doing cases and solving it all by yourself. You're actually hiring someone that's really good at this mm -hmm. to think through the process with you. You're bringing in the guns. Exactly. Yeah. Even if you're doing that, by using this framework or by using this system, you have two things playing for you. One of them is you're in control of your preparation, so you know exactly what's going on. Yeah. And number two is you can actually inform your coach of a ton of stuff and spend less time and money on finding out what the problem is. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not exactly right, by giving the coach that data, you're going to be saving them so much time. 
which is not only your money, but also, you know, your limited time towards your interview. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Like a good coach will be able to point out what things you're making mistakes and even the likely root causes mm -hmm. and then offer you potential solutions. So a good coach can help you work faster through this framework. Mm -hmm. But not all coaches are that good. Yeah. I guess most aren't. And also, if you come to your coach and in the first session you tell them, hey, I have a logbook. I know that 40% of my analysis, I make a mistake in them. And I know that usually this mistake comes because my equation is wrong. Mm -hmm. At first, will you help me with that? They might test you because a good coach won't believe you for your words. Yeah. They want data as well. They want to see how you perform. Mm -hmm. And that's a good practice for, uh, for a coach because some candidates, they don't really know the root causes of their problems. But a good coach will give you a case, see if that's true, and they'll quickly help you fix that problem. So I agree. Even if you're hiring a coach, if you give them the data, if you're more prepared... And if you're more in control, you're going to optimize their work. Even if they're not that good and they wouldn't do that work with you, now they will. Mm -hmm. And I agree, it's all about getting in control of your preparation. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, yeah. that's a, an amazing tool, Julio. That is the ultimate case prep hack. Thank you for listening to the Case Interview Podcast. If you want to get more insights into how to prepare like the best candidates and increase your chances of getting your dream offer, you can listen to our entire back catalog starting from episode one. In fact, some of our best episodes are the ones we recorded earlier on. And if you want to go deeper and learn our best case solving techniques, we welcome you to join our free course called Case Interview Fundamentals. And you can get instant access to it at craftingcases.com course. Now, I hope to see you in the next episode or in one of the previous ones.